Hello, everyone, and welcome into a new episode of Get Fiddles and Paradiddles. My name is Chris. My name is John. And uh, guys, we're uh, we're here today to talk to you about um, something that I'm super passionate about. I know yes. John is super passionate about. Yes. We sat here and um, probably talked about musical ways of practice oh, so wow. many times. Yes, over and over, nonstop. Good, good, a good uh, quality conversation we had. And and this is less as we get into it. You guys will see this is less about. Um, practice and more about kind of calibration of your brain right the way it kind yeah. of works and mm-hmm. operates but mm-hmm. before we dive, dive too far into it john tell me about your uh tell me about your weekend uh weekend was good you know usual uh um you know uh, standard gigs um uh, just uh you know really getting into the new year and kind of getting my my feet uh settled into um what's going on and uh super excited about uh got some you know big things coming up in february gigs and whatnot and cool. uh um, how about yourself? Yeah, I mean, same for me. I mean, just getting into, you know, I can't believe January is already over. Oh, man, that's I mean, crazy. So cool. A lot of things are aligning, and yeah. I'm really I'm really starting to get excited for, like, the spring-summer gig season. Yeah, gig like, season gonna be will, be, awesome. will be firing up here, you know, once the uh, seasons change, for sure. Definitely. So. Well, um, let's get into this episode. I'm, I'm excited to see uh, where this goes. Yeah, uh, me too. You know, we don't have a, a massive script around this. but No, some, we're, we're, we're going to do what uh, they call uh, riffing, winging riffing, it. Winging it? In the business Uh, no we're not really winging it i mean we've got we've got some if I could take a picture and show you, we got, or, or there's a camera in here. We've got some notes. We, we're not flying we got a blind. Few bul- we got some bullet points. Yeah, we got a few bullets. Yeah. We got a few bullets. We're, we're trained professionals, guys. Absolutely. Let's get into it. All right. So our uh, our, our our episode is titled musical calibration yes musical calibration so let me let me kind of dissect that and, Please I will, give and i'll us take you a, through help me understand what we're talking about chris so as a musician yeah. right we're, we're speaking to all working musicians out there yes. right you have a starting point in your career as a musician right and whether at that point you identify it as a career right there's still things that are setting you up for your say trajectory yep right yep so what I mean by saying musical calibration is that the decisions you make early mm-hmm. on uh-huh. as a player who starts playing an instrument, drums, bass, guitar, keys, whatever, in the beginning of your development, you calibrate your playing style early on based on the people you listen to. So let's right. say you're a rock player. You've got your rock heroes. Mm-hmm. So you, you set in time kind of a calibration to the way you will play. Correct. Okay. This could mean, you know, maybe you're a metal dude and you're watching Vinnie Paul. Right. And you're watching, you know, whoever. You know, it right. could be Mike Portnoy. It could be whoever's out there. There's a calibration that takes place. Correct. And that calibration may stay that way for a long time. Yes, indeed. Okay. Right. Let's say that takes place for the first two years of your playing. Okay. It may take place for the first 10 years of your playing. Right. But... I know from experience, mm-hmm. just based on even our previous episode, mm-hmm. that along the way, mm-hmm. there are things that will tweak that calibration. Oh, yes. And what I mean by things is normally it's players or styles of music. Right. Genres C- of music. Whatever. Case in point, see jazz episode. Right, the jazz episode. So, you know, specifically for me, there's been times where, you know, I started as a rock drummer, as a metal drummer. Right. You know, so as I can, did I. You know, we, we, we come from the rock world. Right. But then what happens is, is there's little blips on the radar yep. that yep. kind of make you go, hold on, 
hmm, this is interesting. Like, this is another thing I haven't thought about. Yes. Right? And as, as the growth of a musician, like, mm-hmm. you really want to be constantly evolving. Yes. At least that's the hope. Yeah. Right? So for me, one of the first ones was seeing, and I should say more specifically listening to, hearing Dave Weckl. Mm. Okay? So coming from rock, oh, yeah. coming from metal, um, this was my first time really getting into a jazz type mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. genre. Mm-hmm. So we'll call it yep. fusion, right? Yes. It was definitely fusion. Yes. Even though Weckl came from a great, very acoustic jazz background. Yeah. He, he, you know, the word I think of when I think of Dave Weckl is fusion. Fusion. Definitely. So I could relate to fusion because mm-hmm. it has those rock elements. Right. It, right. right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, Big so time. you know, what, you know, this, this was like number one for me, mm-hmm. right. You know, Dave Weckl. Yep. And so what, what, what type of thing could you recall being yours? Uh, I guess as far as guitar players um, who had a jazz sensibility to them mm-hmm. um, that I really kind of uh, moved the needle that way for me would probably be Jimmy Herring. Okay. Um, you know, his playing was, had the, all of my favorite elements, you know, loud screaming guitars but his melodic phrasing and, and, and improvisational skills were directly attributed to jazz players. Mm, okay. You could, you could tie his, 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 um, his essence to jazz. Okay. You know, how he would solo, um, the, the notes he would choose, the phrasing, all that stuff was very based. And, you know, obviously blues, you know, was the home base, but, when he started to really rip into stuff, it was very, uh, lots of jazz principles and ideas. So okay. I would, he comes to mind instantly. And it made you think about your approach to music differently. Big time, mm-hmm. big time. So this is what, uh, uh, John and I are saying about recalibration. And I think over the course of your progression and your evolution mm-hmm. as a musician, mm-hmm. there's probably a few of these little blips on the radar yeah. that take place. For right? sure. So one of the things that I think helps calibrate you internally as a player, not just hearing other musicians, yeah. but it's the way you approach practice mm, you yeah. know, early on in our career uh, and beginning Definitely. way we're playing is like, we're, we're practicing like what, four or five, six hours a day. Yeah. Like bit. I can remember yeah. being locked in my bed days for, yeah, it felt like days for four hours at a time, just practicing, practicing, yeah. practicing. Oh yeah. Um, you know, what you're doing early on is you're analyzing your, you know, your favorite players. Right. Right. You've got your, your heroes. Right. It's, it's, it's almost an emulation act at right. that point. Right. Um, we've mentioned this before. Like, we'll, we talk about VHS mm-hmm. versus YouTube. Mm-hmm. And um, you brought up a great uh, point to this is it was publications, too. Yeah, publications, man. Like, you know, we didn't, we didn't have access. There was no YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, it was either cassette DVD or literature based. Right. So guitar player magazine, guitar player magazine, you know, uh, that was what you would do. Yeah. You know, I, I remember one of the, um, one of the writers in there, his name is Alex Skolnick. He's Mm -hmm. in guitar player for Testament. Mm -hmm. Um, freaking burning at jazz guitar player. Wow. I mean, just obviously he's a killer metal player, but, um, if memory serves correctly, he had a jazz, he did a jazz record and they covered the Kiss Detroit Rock City album, all straight ahead jazz. Oh my gosh. It 
I need to hear this. It's, it's insane. We'll have to we'll have to see if we can't throw a link up or we'll we'll we'll, we'll look at this off air okay. as they say. But yeah. Um you know, that magazine for me was the Bible. You know, yep. that's where I would go to to, you know, learn new stuff or to figure out how to play Little Wing or to mm-hmm. figure out how to play Pride and Joy by Stevie Ray. Mm-hmm. Right? It was in that magazine. Yeah. And I mean, for pu- publications were the same for me too. Right? I will remember to this day mm-hmm. my dad bringing mm-hmm. me my very first Modern Drummer mm-hmm. magazine. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show my age a little bit. Mm-mm. It's okay. November 1994. <laughs> John Come Robinson, on. John J.R. Robinson's on the cover. Sweet J.R., baby. I still have this magazine. Oh, yeah. And what's oh, yeah. crazy yeah. is when you look through it, right. you can see all the places where, like, you would, you know, turn a page yeah. or you would flip something. There, yeah. It's got some wear to it. Right. Like you said, it was it was like the Bible to me. Yeah. I would yeah. analyze these, these drummers' setups, mm-hmm. the way the articles would talk about... Um, you know, their symbols or their sticks or whatever. And of course this emulation starts early, right? You're analyzing those players and you're analyzing more about the way the things are set up. Correct. The way maybe they're holding drumsticks. Right. Right. And we could tie this back even out of publication into VHS. Yeah, absolutely. Like for guitar players, maybe, you know, you're looking at how the guitar is it high. Are they wearing it high? Are they wearing it low? Um, You know, the type of pick they use. You care more about the stuff. Mm-hmm. Right, you care mm-hmm. less about their approach to the instrument. Right, and as you get a little further along, you start to analyze. Like you say, you're mimicking, you're emulating yeah. the drum yeah. fill, right, or the phrasing on the right. guitar. You're you're mimicking those things, and I feel like this is kind of the downfall with YouTube. Mm. Totally, is that YouTube it, has it, has it to me stripped away the individualism mm-hmm. because there's no imagination left. Mm-mm. So if I were to give a, a guy that's learning to play drums now a single magazine uh-huh. and say, all right, here's your magazine. Here's your pictures and your words. And I'm going to give you this one DVD. Right. Okay. And I want you to watch these things. I want you to read these things. I want you to look at these things and now develop your sense of individualism. Mm. Okay. No YouTube. Mm-hmm. No YouTube. So, you know, as much as YouTube is a, is such a huge benefit. It is. The, the, your, the times right. we live in. Right. To me, I feel like because there, it is a platform mm-hmm. for people to just be, you know, standing on their platform, tooting their horn, giving mm-hmm. their advice. Um, I think it's stripped away the ability for, for us to be individuals. What, what do you think on that? Yeah, I, I think that uh, I would agree with that first off. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that, that I think um, bears some mention is the fact that there's uniformity Mm-hmm. In in that magazine that comes out every month, right? Or I mean, that's a huge point because you've got an editor, you've got an interviewer. Mm-hmm. There's there's channels uh, mm-hmm. and there's layers or levels, excuse me, that the information is is filtering through, right? As opposed to if you go to said guy's YouTube page and are just taking his word for the gospel, it might not be. The right gospel. Yeah. There's no you quality. Change. Not to blasphemize the Bible out there. No, 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 no. We're no, just, no. We're, yeah. but we're just trying to illustrate the importance in, in, in the, um, and it just seems like the literature was better at fact checking to use, right. to get into political terms here. It just seems to be a little more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, viable as a source of information, mm-hmm. a little more factual, mm-hmm. um, by the time it gets publicated, right. Or mm-hmm. put on a VHS or a DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems like there's a little bit more, 
uh, just validity. Validity. Thank Definitely. you. That's the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. That 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 you can um, take that to the bank. So with YouTube, it's 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 just someone's opinion, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. someone's um, glorified opinion. Yep. Yep. You know, and there's no, there's no, there's no quality check there. No, you know? right. Um, so, uh, you know, John and I, we love YouTube, and I think that this is becoming a theme now in some of our episodes. Is right. that you know we do talk somewhat negatively about YouTube, and mostly just understand that that's coming from the people that feel like their opinion is the gospel. Right. Right. So just you know, you, I think you spend a lot of time playing music, performing music, doing music that it starts to show you the people that are just talking to hear themselves talk and the ones that actually have good information to yeah, bring. Correct. Cause don't get us wrong. There are some, um, staples that mm-hmm. I go to on in the YouTube ecosystem, Definitely. you know, of, of players or educators that, um, I know they're giving out the stuff they're talking about. It's, you need to, it's correct. There's no yeah. need for fact checking. Right. It's, it's, it's the good stuff. So they're not to diminish, uh, the power of YouTube because mm-hmm. it is, it's powerful. It really is. It really is. But I would say, just be careful, take it with a grain of salt. And, for and, sure. and when someone starts, you know, the, the way I look at it is if someone starts to throw their opinion out there, mm-hmm. be careful aligning with opinions. Mm-hmm. Try to be an individual. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Think critically about stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that will serve you good in life uh, to do that for sure. For sure. So, so this, this recalibration thing, let me, let me, John, let's, let's, let's take the listener through this. So, yeah. so, you know, early on you're analyzing your players mostly right. for their kit, like we said, right. or their guitar right. or their setup right. or their approach to a type of thing, like a drum fill mm-hmm. or a phrasing mm-hmm. fill on mm-hmm. guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would challenge you, to, you guys to not practice just for practice sake. You should always be practicing with the idea of achieving something musical. Right. Yeah. And we've mentioned this in previous episodes, uh, practicing. Uh, we talking about practice. We talking about practice. Um, you know, is always try to make something musical out of practice. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's that seems to bear fruit mm-hmm. um, in our experience um, when, when you when you do that, when you always make musical uh, things happen out of your practice. And, and part of, of, of the calibration process is being aware of what you're doing. And if you're practicing and it's not musical, then you need to make that musical. You need right. to figure out a way to make it musical. Right. Whether it's playing to a backing track or buying a loop pedal and throwing in a, a loop that you can that you can have something that's has an accountable meter. Right. Something you're say, accountable to, right? Accountability, that's, that's huge. So, you know, we see on... Instagram mm-hmm. or on YouTube that there's a lot of players that are really good at practicing. Yeah. You, you can definitely tell because oh, yeah. to me, like Instagram is almost like a, a scrolling talent, you yeah. know, it's just a, a, a talent page. Of yeah. Scrolling, it's it's scrolling. like classified talent, right? The classifieds, if you will, the things general. that get my attention more now yep. are not the drummer or mm-hmm. player that mm-hmm. is just shredding chops mm-hmm. because you can tell that they, they're practicing and they're real good at practice. Mm hmm. The things that get my attention now are the guys that are playing with better dynamics, as we've talked about. Correct. Guys that are playing in band situations. Right. Because what they're doing is posting a, I don't know, a GoPro video or an iPhone video Mm -hmm. of them with their band. Yeah. You want to get me to stop scrolling through Instagram? That's the kind of stuff to be posting. Yep. Yep. Um, When it comes to playing in, in live situations. Yeah. You know, you can... 
practice. We've talked about this. Like yeah. you can practice oh, yeah. all the notes you want to, but yep. when you get that into a live situation with other music, with other musicians, mm-hmm. it's way more difficult at that point. Oh, man. Yeah, it is. I've, you know, when I was back at aim and we had performance classes, mm-hmm. um, you want to talk about rubber hitting the road quick. Um, I thought that I had a grasp, um, of, you know, particular the jazz performance class because it was so alien and foreign to me at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was practicing it with my my other guitar player, you know, we were just running through the standard. You know, he'd he'd take a turn playing the melody, and I'd comp chords and vice versa. Have it down in the rehearsal room, right, or in practice room, right. But sure as the day is long, when I got on that bandstand, it was a hot mess. It was a hot mess. And I'm sitting there thinking, what in the hell? How I just played this song five minutes ago in a room outside the performance hall. Mm -hmm. And yet I could not transfer it from there to here. Right. Why? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we know that the bandstand is like the proving ground. Yeah, that's you it, know? man. That's, that's where like, you cut your it's, teeth, It's man. hallowed ground. Yeah. So if you yeah. if you practice really rigid, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'm going to play these single strokes yeah. at 16th note tempo or whatever, or rate. Right. Uh, th- this particular, you know, 120 BPM, I'm going to play just like this. Like, that rigid type of practice mm-hmm. is not going to lend itself to live performance because, no. you know, how are you going to adjust? Correct. You know, like, you're, you're not going to be able to adjust on the fly. Right. And, and, and tell me what your, what your, your you know, your music musician friends on stage you know when you decide to rip through some kind of fill that's really rigid that's an idea that may only work in one situation right and now you've rigidly practiced this and hope that it works in the musical situation that you're in then you're going to play it like less than one percent of the time right so now is that a good use of time yeah now granted there is a place for that to have that in your arsenal Mm. um i think that you know we're not trying to diminish the fact that um we're not advocating that you know playing with speed is overrated or none none of that stuff because definitely not it's 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 super important Mm -hmm. take a drink to have (laughs) to have speed or all it's 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 a tool in your in your in your chest right um but it, it, it's not going to do you a lick of good if you can't turn it into something musical, I right. think is what we're trying to get at here. Mm-hmm. Um, so spend time on that stuff, but don't make it a, a um, you know, don't spend a lot of time on it, especially, um, and, and I think that we've touched on this in previous episodes, maybe the practice episode is like being able to figure out who you are in your instrument. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I knew I wasn't Ingve Malmstein. Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm not going to sit around trying to practice to a metronome 200 beats a minute every mm-hmm. day. Yeah. You know, obviously I would spend some time on it to challenge myself to see if I could do it. Mm. And obviously if I couldn't do it, um, <clears throat> I would work my way up to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, I probably couldn't do it now, but yeah, I, I spent time. I would, you know, if I would practice, you know, especially when I was at school, because, you know, a lot of players there were just, they were shredders. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, if they're doing that, I got to do that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, one day or a couple of days, I'd just, I'd be on, you know, like set the BPM to 190 and just try and do eighth notes. Oh, just okay. Try and pick eighth notes. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, some days would be good. Some days would be really crap. Mm. But I would constantly be trying to work my way up to that point 
So the point that I'm making is I spent so much time to achieve something that I heart. I don't ever play anything that's 200 beats a minute. Right, right. And now I, we, you know, right. we, we know that there's like these 1% metal drummers and metal guitar players out there who, you know, you got to practice speed. You've got to, like right. Speed that's, is the element. Yeah. And we, we definitely tip our hats to that. Absolutely. Tip it big time mm-hmm. because, I mean, we, we enjoy it too, but... There's just more to uh, music than, than that. You know? Well, I think, you know, under the umbrella of working musician, mm-hmm. this means that you are playing multiple genres, you're playing multiple styles, you're playing with multiple people, and we're talking about what are the things that you, you tend to do the most. Right, right, right. Not the things you tend to do the least. Mm-hmm. So you and I have discussed that, you know, the bandstand is the proving ground. It is. So if you're, if you're practicing just for the sake of practice, then essentially you've removed the proving ground. Yeah. If you're not putting yourself out there and you're not playing, right. Then what happens to your practice? Like, I feel like at that point, by moving, taking the proving ground away, you've, you've removed the excitement of practice. Yeah, exactly. Because what you're like like a losing focus. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it almost becomes a wheel spinning if you will, because not only is it important to cut your teeth on the bandstand, but you're taking critical errors or, or critical um, things that you're you're being critical of that you maybe you're not as strong as, mm-hmm. you know, nailing that chorus. So yep. you're going to take that and work on that in your practice time. Totally. You know, if you're... You know, if your shuffle is was off, well, then you're going to spend some time in your practice mm-hmm. working on that shuffle. Mm-hmm. Or for a guitar player, if you didn't nail the solo over a certain song because you couldn't think of anything to play, well, then you need to go and spend some time improvising over that chord progression. Right. Right? That's what you should practice, not 200 BPMs on a metronome. Right. Right? There's a time and place for that. Um, there's a time and place to practice with the metronome, but you're going to bear more fruit by working on those bandstand errors those or musical things. Musical yeah. things. Yeah. So I think what, what, what you'll do, and it's almost like a cycle, mm-hmm. right? You'll, you'll want to learn like a new chop or new, mm-hmm. new, new phrase or mm-hmm. something and you'll work on it alone. That's mm-hmm. typically how you'll do it. But then when you take it to the stage, this is where you're actually learning because then you'll say, well, that doesn't work. That that wasn't fast enough, or yeah. this was dragging, yeah. or okay, that this is where I need to refocus now my yeah. practice. Right, and and to kind of circle back to something that we talked about, you know, we, you know, playing stuff live. You know, if you're a hired gun, and there's four or five other hired guns in the band, mm-hmm. and you have to learn, and you're all learning the same. Let's say you're on a jazz gig, and it's all new players, and you're playing jazz standards. Well, their interpretation, um, uh, tempo wise might be different from the last cats that you played with that same standard, mm-hmm. you know, and you have to be able to adapt to that. Right. 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 And, and that's, that's something that you can take to the practice room is that, 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 that ability to adapt. So you have the song down so good that if it speeds up or slows down or does, or starts off fast or starts off slow, you can adjust. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because, uh, you know, and I think Shannon, uh, talked about it when we interviewed him a while back, um, when you, when you get in those said situations, you have to be, you have to be able to adjust on the fly to mm-hmm. it. Um, and when you're practicing it, these musical things at home, you, it will help you to be able to adjust to those if they come up. Right. 
Right. You know, does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think over time as you, as you begin to play and you're calibrating, right. you know, as you're, as you're recalibrating day over day, year over year, things like that, yep. you, you find out that the focus isn't acquiring knowledge, but it's more about sharing music. It is. Right. It is. So if, if all we're doing is acquiring knowledge, then how are we spitting that back out? Right. And since the bandstand is like a shared experience, mm-hmm. then obviously everyone has their place mm-hmm. and they have their role to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you could be the smartest guy on stage, but do you want to be that guy when it comes time to play with everyone? Right. Right. That's, that's, that's super important. Take a drink. Um, that's not something that you want to, you don't want to be that guy. You know, you don't want to be, um, you want to feel, um, that you're in control of the song you're playing, um, whatever you're doing in, in that musical situation. And when you're working on these things and, and when you're practicing, um, to give an example for me, you know, one thing that was super uh, lacking in my playing was my, uh, my, my feel, my pocket, my mm-hmm. timing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I spent a lot of time practicing that at home. I spent less time shredding mm-hmm. and more time working with a metronome mm-hmm. or a drum loop that was in time. Right. Right. Not just... You know, something I, you know, if I did say uh, plug in a chord progression and a loop pedal, mm-hmm. I would have a metronome click to make sure it was in time. Mm-hmm. And I would work on playing on the beat, around the beat, through the beat, off to the side of the beat, mm-hmm. everywhere in between. But it was always like a musical approach. It was a musical approach. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, I wasn't fishing in the dark for something. There was a purpose in what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to bear fruit is... Um, in, 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 so the other thing, to kind of circle back again, you know, your heroes that you listen to, um, once you've kind of got past the emulation mm-hmm. of their their tone, their sound, you know, you want to, you know, you want to observe their... Um, their live playing habits. Like what are they doing on a live gig? Not so much the notes that they play, but Mm -hmm. how loud do they play over a verse? Right. Versus a chorus. Right. How do they transition from a bridge into the chorus or what type of gear are they? What, all of that stuff you're, Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're critically thinking about, um, what your hero is doing beyond the playing part. Now, like you're trying to see, Okay, how, how did how did he get to be at that point? Like, what's what's the method behind the madness, if you right. will? Right. I think that is a calibration that occurs um, once you kind of get into you know further season, further season of your of your musical career. Definitely, you start to go back to your rock guys and mm-hmm. kind of peer through uh, the lenses. If yeah. you will. Yeah. But that, I mean, because at first you're, you're being real critical about what their kit looks like mm-hmm. or what their, their instrument looks like and how they approach it. Mm-hmm. But like you're saying, the recalibration is that now when you go back and look at those heroes, maybe you're looking at their posture. Mm. Maybe you're looking at how relaxed they right. are. They're right. not tense. They're not you know tense. What I mean? yeah. The way they play with dynamics yeah. and the way they pay attention to the band. Right. You probably didn't see those things when you first got into them. Right. And you get five, ten years into something and you go back and look at those guys. Like you say, you've got fresh eyes, mm-hmm. and you go, man, look how relaxed he is. Yeah, no, no one would say that about you know 
straight away. No, mm-hmm. no one's going to pick a hero and be like, I just would love to be able to play relax. Yeah. yeah. Nobody says that. Nobody first. ever, ever. Right. And, we, and, and we say that now. Yeah. And, and, and I think most of it's just through pure ignorance. Cause you don't know, you don't know that. Right. That's, that you just don't know any better. Mm-hmm. Um, but you will get to a point to where, I mean, and that's what, you know, that's what, you know, for, for guitar players, that's what you do to, to figure out gear, pedals, mm-hmm. how to achieve tones mm-hmm. is by going and looking at your heroes and going now, thank God for YouTube. Yeah. You can go back and see what Stevie Ray Vaughan was using at his Austin city limits gig mm-hmm. because it's on YouTube and there's a bunch of close ups on all his Dumbles and Marshalls and Fenders that he were, you can go back and physically see the amps he was using. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you can, there's, there's a, um, the information, um, uh, that's, that's available, um, is, uh, it's at your fingertips, mm-hmm. you know, so you can go back and really start to dissect not just the notes that they're playing, but how do they, how, you know, especially for guitar players, you know, the amps they're using, the guitars they're using, the pedals, mm-hmm. the combination of pedals that mm-hmm. they're using. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 it's a rabbit hole in and of itself that you'll go down yeah. once you get past the notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll start to notice uniformity. Yeah. Through, through a lot of them. Through a yeah. lot of them, mm-hmm. you know. And that translates into um, having that knowledge and understanding uh, that you can you can do that it's it's you know it makes you more hireable it makes you more attractive yeah. to, to to be in a band because mm-hmm. you have that knowledge you know mm-hmm. you know what it takes to achieve a tone or uh you know especially if you're you know trying to be in this genre based singer songwriter country mm-hmm. rock like they got to know that you can sound the part yeah well this probably falls under the umbrella of professional you know quote yeah. unquote you know these yeah. are things that if you're only acquiring note value, mm-hmm. speed, rate, things like that. It's when you start really diving into how to calibrate yourself. You know, as we're yeah. saying, like we're recalibrating, we're constantly adjusting. Yeah. And that constant adjustment is something like you say that it makes you rehirable. Mm-hmm. You know, what if you had a drummer that is in a band for 10 years Yep. and he doesn't really practice nope. and he doesn't really evolve himself. Yes. At some point, something may happen. Mm. where he either loses his gig yep. or he just loses focus. Like right. we said, you know, like his practice has, has went from either no practice right. and maybe there was a regimen there at some point. Yeah. I mean, obviously he's a drummer. He's, yeah. he's, he's playing. He's mm-hmm. a guitar player. He's mm-hmm. playing. Right. But where did the focus get lost mm-hmm. and where did his um, maybe complacency started to set in? Yep. And then, you know, now he's out of a gig. Yeah. And, and um, that happens a lot, you know. You get, um, you get, especially, um, see a lot of this in touring band situations. Mm-hmm. Um, some players get comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, get so accustomed to playing, you know, whatever they're doing, and they fail to, or they they neglect their progression on their instrument because mm-hmm. you'll get passed by. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's always somebody bigger and badder, as they say out there. Yep. You know, yep. that's just. Putting in, time. In, 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 putting in time yep. and, you know, quite honestly, you know, that's what keeps me motivated. Mm-hmm. Is I, I know there's some young buck guitar player He's in right, his house behind, right now, right now, yep. you know, so there, 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 there's a part of that 
trying to stay on top of your craft mm-hmm. um, element to what we're saying. But, you, you know, being able to recalibrate beyond, you know, learning smoke on the water because mm-hmm. you're only going to get so much out of that yeah. right or eighth notes at 190 yeah BPM. you know yeah. i mean do it you know learn you know you can't you can't replace learning fundamentals obviously all that has to happen like let's be sure you hear us like, yes these, these things do have to happen right but we both agree that staying in a, in in the element of like rigid practice yeah. is not going to benefit you in the long run no if you want to be a hireable working musician correct mm-hmm. you know um obviously you know, there are things that I work on to this day when I practice um, to keep my um, my skills mm-hmm. fresh, mm-hmm. Um, whether it be running through scales or arpeggios. But it's 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 a brushing of the cobwebs. off. I was about to say, I'm sure you're not spending hours on these no, things. I'm right? brushing the cobwebs off, mm-hmm. warming up, getting loose and limber, and then going into something that I want to work on. One of my, one of my favorite uh, quotes, um, you know, people that know me know that I, I love Jojo Mayer. Yes. And Jojo, you know, he's, he's a, he's like a drumming shaman. Yeah, he you know? is. He is. He's he, the, he's so he's good. He's the Dalai Lama of drums. And one of the most disappointing things I found out in an interview is that he doesn't have a regular practice regimen. Mm. It was almost like, oh, you, you're just you're just a god. Okay, mm-hmm, I get mm-hmm, it. Obviously, mm-hmm. he spent a long time getting to where sure. He's at. Yeah, don't get that wrong. Don't but get one that of the coolest twist. things when he was asked about practicing is he says that he doesn't practice unless he finds out that in a live situation something is weak. Yeah, and he'll go. Mm, need that needs on, attention. You got to tighten that up. So, so let's let's just think about this. A guy that's been playing for fifty years, he doesn't really hone in on a specific thing until it starts to show some negativity mm. in his live performance. Amen. I can I can speak the same truth about my playing. You know, um, when I would hear playbacks of, of stuff, I it was just God. It would you know, and I'm 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 my own worst critic. Mm. So we all are. You know, but still, man, you know, um, you hold yourself accountable. um, And if you know if something's not cutting the mustard, Mm -hmm. and that's what you got to, you you got to be honest with yourself, one, and be able to. Guitar players are notoriously bad about not being honest with themselves. Yeah. Right? Uh, You got to be able to, you know, take it on the chin and be like, man, you're. Rhythm guitar playing, it sucks. That needs work. It yeah. needs a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Or you're, yeah, you really don't know how to solo over this key change. Mm-hmm. Really, you need to work on that. Right. 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 Being able so, to internalize yeah, that. Yeah. Not and, take it personal. No, not take yeah. it personal, you know, mm-hmm. because it's not. It's it's all about growth. But mm-hmm. you, you got to be able to um, be aware of that and then rectify it. Mm-hmm. And you do it in the practice room. Right. 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 That's where that's where that happens. Right. So. But that um, stuff is born out of the live performance. Yeah, it's right? bo- everything is 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 kind of, uh, you know, it uh, uh, the six degrees of separation happens from the bandstand, mm-hmm. right? Everything mm-hmm. is is tied back to that a live performance, right? And, and your uh, things that you're not good at need to be worked on, and the things that you are good at get worked on a little less, right? Right. So another word for that is calibration. Calibration. We're constantly calibrating. We're constantly trying to grow. And uh, I think the thing that John and I are trying to say is that um, you'll learn more on stage, uh, definitely more useful things on stage than you will just sitting by yourself. Even if it's at a coffee shop, 
um, something that where you're playing in front of people and mm-hmm. you're getting a reaction. Right, right. You know, it, it doesn't have to be a full band. You can be an acoustic singer-songwriter playing in a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. If you are a fly on the wall, mm-hmm. then you might need to evaluate your stage performance mm-hmm. or the songs you're playing mm-hmm. or, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you got to be able to evaluate and be critical about that and be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where you're going to do that as is on the bandstand. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, well guys, just, um, you know, our, I think our, our point, major point in all of this is just constantly be... Uh, internalizing these things, yeah. recalibrating yourself, Re- think of ways to adjust. Right. And, um, you know, as a working musician, this is the kind of thing that keeps you working. Yeah, you know, it's it really constantly does. being aware of either your your shortcomings, like you said, mm-hmm. and not taking it too personal and saying, "Man, you know what? I need to fix this. I need mm-hmm. to correct this," and doing it. Right, know? and doing it, and, mm-hmm. and and you're gonna you're gonna be better off um, in the long run to achieve more uh, gigs. Uh, you're going to feel better about your own playing and then confidence breeds confidence breeds Definitely. confidence. Definitely. So, well, let's move on to our, uh, our picks of the week, John. Gotta love that. That might be the best one. Uh, thank you. Actually, it is the best yeah, one. You're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome guys. I'm going to sample welcome. that one too. Yes. I'm just going to sample all of them. All of them. Do like a and collage then, of actually, my, maybe what we'll do is have an episode where I just play only those for an episode. Like it's just a, it's just like a collection of. Of my, man, the world would be so lucky. Mm. This tell is a good me. idea. I tell like me. it. Yeah. Well, John, tell Strong. me about your uh, your pick of the week. Okay, today. my pick of the week today is I know the last last one is a little funky. Um, this has probably been the best thing since sliced bread in my world. Is the RBX Reunion Blues Dual Gig Bag? Oh my. Lanta mm. has this changed my life. Obviously, I can get two guitars in one. Right, which mm-hmm. is a standard issue for me. I mm-hmm. always go to gigs with two guitars. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm able to get both said guitars in one bag, put it on my back like a book bag, and go. Mm-hmm. Uh, the construction and the quality of this, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. It's about 200 bucks, mm-hmm. so it's not cheap. Um, but it is worth every penny. The quality of the gig bag um, is in that price point. I, can, I was honestly... Didn't think it was going to be as heavy duty as it is. Oh wow! Uh, the zippers, the padding. Um, it has a little slot, a little cradle that the neck stays in, like a pillow, like a foam pillow, just mm. sits right in. Nice. Um, so it's super protected. It's got a big, huge accessory pocket on the front, on the inside. It's got a little slot you can slide your iPad or your device in. And, you know, it's just a well well made product uh rbx reunion blues dual gig bag uh you can find them uh, we'll put a link on the website you can find them online at your big box retailers um check it out can't say enough good things about it uh, we will accept an endorsement from rbx <laughs> if you hear this we send us some all the cases you have uh, but that is my pick of the week sir nice um well, mine is going to be something a little different that, that drummers don't really think about, I don't think. So as, as John knows, and, and a lot of people know, I'm a Minel guy. Like, I love Minel cymbals. I feel like Minel as a whole, as a company, can really do no wrong. Their percussion, yeah. their cymbals, their, their approach to accessories, and even the way they, they treat their artists is just unbelievable. Yes. Anyway, I digress. So this product, uh, my pick of the week, is a Minel product. It's actually something new that they partnered with Benny Greb on. Mr. Greb, what a phenomenal player. Yeah, and uh, they're called Magnetic Cymbal Tuners. 
Okay. Well. Um, so what they are are basically magnets. Okay. And there's they're, the set. They're, they're twenty bucks. Okay. That's um, not bad. It comes with two pairs. One mm-hmm. is a, a smaller pair, and mm-hmm. one is a thicker magnet. Okay. So the idea is that um, you know. Essentially, you're going to use them. You could use it on any symbol, but right. the ride symbol is where I tend to use mine. So the two magnets, one goes on top of the symbol, okay. one goes on the bottom, and of course, you know they're very strong. They snap on here, and one of the areas I've really started using them. Uh, you know, I've started listening to jazz a lot, yeah. playing a lot of jazz. Yeah. So you can move these things from the edge of the symbol to the bow to mm. the bell and achieve all of these like muted mm-hmm. type sounds. Mm-hmm. So the symbol doesn't ring quite as right, much. Right. So for that, that's that, huge for you know, jazz. That, that swingy ride yep. sound. If you've got a ride symbol that you use for most of your gigs, that might be bright and kind of washy. And Small you wanna, adjustment. You, you just make a little tiny adjustment for 20 bucks. Oh, that's great. And not go out and buy like another $400 ride symbol. You can just put these little magnets on here and get you know less sustained right. or more focused sound. Right. Really cool. I, I've Love been using it. them quite a bit. They're that's, awesome. That's great. That sounds like a phenomenal product. It is cool. We'll have the links up for these uh, for you guys as always. Indeed, indeed. And uh, John, I think uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for today's yeah, episode. Yeah, uh, good episode. Um, um, really uh, kudos for the, uh, for the topic. I really enjoy it. Um, yeah, I think that uh, constant recalibrating is uh, you got to be you got to be doing it. Yeah. You really do. Yeah, I mean the only way I, w- I would tie it to like bands that have done well mm-hmm. over the course of time, take a, a Rolling Stone yeah. or a David Bowie or yeah. a Michael Jackson or whoever you know, whether it was the '70s, the '80s, the '90s, or wherever, they were constantly evolving themselves, mm-hmm. so they stayed relevant and they yep. stayed fresh. Recalibration, the recalibration. This is the same thing we're talking about, guys. Absolutely. All right, well, you guys stay on it, stay playing, and we will see you next week. And we out.